We're on the record. I'm Sheila Cast. Good morning. What lies ahead after high school, after college, for young people with autism? Where can families get advice from parents and students who have navigated these decisions? A Baltimore mom is taking action to build this community. Today is an encore presentation from November with Devin Sutherland, a 2022 Open Society Institute Baltimore Community Fellow. Over a year and a half, Sutherland will receive $65,000 to develop Brown on the Spectrum, an effort to line up and cultivate work and other opportunities for young people with autism in Baltimore City. She is the sibling of a woman with autism and the mother of a son with autism. I started by asking where the name Brown on the Spectrum comes from. Brown on the Spectrum comes from me searching Google and looking for images that look like my son. And I always used to say to him, well, Liam, you're brown. Let's see what I can find online so you can find pictures of kids that look like you. Kids with, um, kids with autism. Kids with autism, but then primarily, too, just looking for any images of little boys that, you know, are rambunctious or at the time were rambunctious just like him. And so you searched? I searched and I couldn't find anything. Um, Essentially, when I thought to myself, well, I'm posting pictures on my social media all the time of my my child, like so many other people do, um, How about I make a separate space to share these pictures of my child and alongside that include information and resources for other families who might miss out on a meeting or cool activity that's happening specific to parents of children on the spectrum. And such Brown on the Spectrum was born. And I understand the project grows out of work you were doing on social media to connect with other parents and families of children with disabilities. How did that start? Primarily, the project began um, as my son aged. Um, Again, with Brown on the Spectrum, I was sharing pictures of, you know, Liam online and posting events, programs, meetings, and resources for families. But um, this was well over seven years ago. Liam is now a 15-year-old in high school. So my program and my focus has shifted or essentially grown from, hey, here's, you know, photos and activities and things that parents can do. And here's photos of, you know, Liam doing all of these activities out in the community. What about resources and opportunities for kids like Liam who are ready to begin exploring the community on their own by looking for summer jobs and looking for work. So the project has since, you know, developed into something that's grown with me as a parent trying to navigate what does independence look like? What does joining the workforce look like? What does, you know, navigating transportation in the city look like? And what does navigating resources and self-advocacy look like for my son? Tell us about Liam. Liam is an amazing uh, 15-year-old temperamental teen. Uh, He loves movies, going out to dinner, meeting new people. I always say that Liam is my 
number one go-to if I ever want someone to go to a place with me. He's always up for an adventure. Um, since the day he was born, I've always said he's a man on the move. And he's definitely someone that's always up to join you on a new task, go to a new place with you and accompany you. Um, he's a really supportive guy. He's a loving guy that cares about his family. Um, he's always interested in making friends and connecting with people. And I think he has a really great sense of humor. He sounds like a lot of fun. One of the mm -hmm. focuses of your work will be on helping families navigate the kinds of transitions you mentioned, like the move from middle to high school or leaving mm -hmm. high school. Why is planning ahead for these moves so important? I believe planning ahead for these moves is crucial, primarily because of my experience with having conversations during our IEP meetings for Liam. And, you know, the IEP is the Individualized Education Program. And it's something that Liam has had since entering school. The conversations around, you know, his career path and his career interests didn't start until around seventh or eighth grade. And to me, I feel like that's too late. I think that by starting the conversations around interests and what kinds of work interests your children may want to do or like to do or have interest in, um, if those talks and those conversations can be included um, within a child's IEP goals, then that kind of helps with, you know, encouraging the child to think more about independence and thinking more about working and earning a living and being a part of the community. What I find is that there are parents who think or believe that once their child receives the diagnosis of autism, that, you know, there's no other route for them besides being taken care of at home and not necessarily having like the full experience of going out into the world and, and earning a living. So if those conversations begin early, there's a realm, just a wide open realm of possibilities for that child. This is On the Record. I'm Sheila Cast speaking with Devin Sutherland, a 2022 Open Society Institute Baltimore Community Fellow. Sutherland received a grant to develop Brown on the Spectrum, a resource hub for young people with autism. She'll also take part in the Be More Healthy Expo next month at the Baltimore Convention Center. So Brown on the Spectrum has a few different components. How are you planning to connect with schools? One of the key components for me is developing inroads with Baltimore City Public Schools. Um, a few years ago, I volunteered as a secretary for CCAC, and that's the Special Education Citizens Advisory Committee. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, there are individuals that are still present within the special education department um, that I really want to reach out to and connect with. Um, from this space. I still attend meetings as a parent, but now I, I just want to take it a bit further and develop those contacts because I, I want to find a way to get involved and connect with not only leadership within Baltimore City Public Schools, but to connect with the IEP chairs and coordinators with all of our schools. But 
again, with my project, I'm beginning in the neighborhood that I was born and raised in, and that's McGeldrick Park. Um, so once I establish and create those connections with the IEP chairs and IEP coordinators within schools in the neighborhood of McGeldrick Park, I can begin and grow and develop, you know, how that, what that looks like realistically and connecting with other, you know, professionals that are working with our kids that are receiving IEPs and 504s across the city. Another component of Brown on the Spectrum is building a collective of organizations and businesses where students with autism can get work and volunteer mm-hmm. experience. Why, why mm-hmm. is this important? This is very important to me, essentially because I, I feel like there are organizations that are already existing that help to uh, provide employment support and navigation for individuals with autism and other intellectual disabilities. But those larger organizations may pose an issue in the event that a person may long for an opportunity to um, establish an, a work you know, assignment that's close to home. So if a person is living in any one of Baltimore's over 260 neighborhoods and they want to just, you know, try out working at the local convenience store for two hours. Who's to say that that can't be an option? Um, It's close to home. Um, It opens up a world of possibilities for establishing independence, um, establishing trust within the community, community members, And essentially, I think that's really important. That's a huge key component for me. I think that anybody should be able to find a work opportunity or volunteer opportunity close to home instead of having to travel outside of your neighborhood to get that experience. What what kinds of accommodations in the workplace might be useful for a young person with autism? I think one of the key accommodations would just be empathy and understanding. And it sounds so basic and so simple, but you'd be surprised at how many workplaces don't have that just for, you know, uh, for anyone. So if I'm approaching a local business and I'm talking to them about, you know, possibilities of hosting a student to work there for either, you know, volunteer experience or part-time job. It's, you know, creating a space of empathy and understanding around how everyone is differently abled, but still able to do the job to help a business run effectively. I'm thinking of what you said about um, establishing connections in one's neighborhood. So you live in McEldery Park. Are, are you working with businesses and organizations in your neighborhood? What kind of conversations have you had with potential partners? That's the plan. And that's the fun and most interesting part for me about this entire fellowship, because they're essentially giving us the opportunity to go out and test to see if this is an option. McElderry Park is the neighborhood that I grew up in. It's the neighborhood that I love. And it's the neighborhood that's always going to be close to my heart. 
But also McElderry Park to me is a neighborhood that is that houses so many varieties and spaces that can give a person small workforce experiences and opportunities from varying community associations, libraries, schools, um, and two of the largest employers within the city, um, if not in that neighborhood, and that's Johns Hopkins Hospital and Kennedy Krieger Institute. And they also are alongside Monument Street that houses a number of businesses and opportunities for someone to work um, or at least to begin the opportunity to gain that experience to work. I wish you luck with all this. It sounds exciting. Thank you. Thank you. It's a, it's a lot. <laughs> it, <laughs> but I'm hopeful. I'm so excited. It sounds like that. Good luck with it. Devin Sutherland is a recipient of a 2022 Open Society Institute Baltimore Community Fellowship. Her project is called Brown on the Spectrum, and you can talk to her about it at the Be More Healthy Expo next month at the Baltimore Convention Center. We've got more information at the On the Record page at wypr.org. Short break on the record. When we're back, supporting older adults in their journey to digital literacy. I'm Sheila Cass. Stay with us. Welcome back to On the Record. I'm Sheila Cast. Paying the water bill, checking the bus schedule, staying in touch with family and friends. Most of us don't think twice about using our smartphones, tablets, and laptops to do these tasks. Engineer Anisha Best wants to make sure that people who aren't as comfortable with technology don't get left behind. We're revisiting our conversation with Best from November. She is the founder and CEO of Baltimore Tech Hub. She was awarded a 2022 Open Society Institute Baltimore Community Fellowship to establish the Ed Tech Literacy Training Project, which will offer classes to increase digital literacy and awareness among underserved residents. Best's plan is to target classes to seniors and returning citizens. I asked, why these groups? So the reason that um, I want to target these groups is because they're the left behind um, group um, amongst our people. And so I want to make sure that in a digital world, they have access um, and understanding to technology because it does shape how we eat, communicate, work and receive our healthcare information. So what skills will you be teaching? So we'll help to increase basic digital literacy. And so that's, you know, understanding of what the technology is, how to use it, how to navigate, and also to upskill. And so to increase hands-on interaction with iPads and different technologies. Where will the classes be held? So through community partnerships that we've established through the past two years, um, we will work within senior citizen buildings and we will work within rec centers and other community spaces that are accessible within, within the community um, that will help eliminate blockers around um, transportation and things like that. And who, who will teach the classes? So through fellow uh, community partnerships. And so I have friends that are teachers and principals and educators and other community partners that work in that space. And so we'll look to bring them in 
to help to be a supportive resource for this program. And I've I've been saying classes. Is, is that the right way to think of it, or is it going to be more like coaching sessions? Or, you know, how lo- how long a span of time do you expect the training to take? The program right now is set for six weeks, and it is more so of a class um, because throughout the class, there you know we framed it out to be a three track series program, and this program will um, have basic tech essentials. It'll have the skill building, and then it'll have an application piece. So it's very much a class. How are you tackling access outside of these classes, both access to devices and access to the Internet? For the program, um, right now, first starting, um, I'm new in the community space. I had some community contacts, but what I realized um, is that, you know, I had to really be strategic about the community partnerships um, and make sure that they aligned with my vision and helping to decrease the digital divide. And so, again, you know, through the past two years, we've worked with organizations such as New Broadway East and East Baltimore. We've worked with organizations such as PCs for People um, and things like that. And so through community partnerships like that that we've established, again, we've gained access to um, spaces and access to devices. Um, When it comes to funding, um, it has been a struggle. Um, We have, um, you know, sought after grants, federal, you know, locally, state. Um, it has really, truly been um, a blocker for us. Um, we were we were looking to get this rolled out last year, but we ran into um, some 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 issues in regards to um, funding. But again, still trying to push the ball forward to get these resources to the people that need it most. And when it comes to internet access, do some of the improvements that the state is trying to make in broadband access is that is that making a difference in what you're trying to do? Well, yes and no. And so yes, in that we're, we're, we're having discussions about it, but knowing that the resources and the funding is not trickling down. And so, you know, again, through that community partnership piece, I've worked with, um, you know, Comcast. And so we're building out a community partnership and through Baltimore Tech Hub, my organization, a separate project, we're working with one of our partners, New Broadway East, to help to bring Wi-Fi to um, open spaces in East Baltimore. And so again, going back to, hey, maybe people don't have access in their home, but when it comes to community spaces, we want to ensure that everyone has free Wi-Fi access. And so Comcast is committed to to um, working with us on that, and and we're you know trying to work with Baltimore City to to help kind of leverage it as well. What is your timeline? When when will these classes start? So actually at this time, um, I apply for a grant. Um, and so this grant, it's not, it doesn't cover a, a lot of funding, but it covers um, a smaller scope of funding where we could do something maybe smaller, um, like a pilot. And so if I had it my way, I would want to begin these classes in the spring and then, you know, start to roll them out after that continuously. That's engineer and OSI Baltimore community fellow Anisha Best. On the record on WYPR, I'm Sheila Cast. Best will use her funding to work with older adults and returning citizens to increase digital literacy. You have called technology an equalizer. How, how do you think about the power of digital literacy to change lives? Well, when we think about where we are, you know, as I mentioned earlier, right now we live in a digital world. And if you can be literate enough to understand how to, again, navigate these platforms and 
also understand the benefits of these platforms. The internet is limitless. And so when we think about building skills, you can go on YouTube and, and, and watch lectures on how to build skills. When we think about taking a, a, a college course, whether it's free or whether it's just online and you can't, you know, you can you can't travel to that state. It's accessible. It's there. When we talk about, again, those returning citizens that are coming home, expected to do X, Y and Z. But when we think about how they get to X, Y and Z, we first have to start with everything is on the computer. And so, you know, how they find housing how they get access to, you know, food stamps and things like that, resources that will help them um, in their transition back home. And then again, just to pivot to our senior citizens, we have to think again, going back to COVID. And so last year during, you know, the, the past two years of COVID, um, our seniors really struggled through social isolation and also through, you know, having access to healthcare. And so when we think about, you know, this telehealth piece, I mean, it's great. It, it, you know, it's a technology that was able to be scalable and, you know, a resource to a lot of people. But when we think about our seniors that don't even understand how to turn the phone on, turn the volume up, what an app is, what Wi-Fi is, again, these type of things, you know, are beneficial to some, but it becomes a blocker for others. A returning citizen who's preparing to get into the job market might have very different needs from a retired senior. How are you planning to tailor the classes? The, the core goal of the program is to increase basic digital literacy and interaction on these platforms. And so we cannot upskill until we educate. And so the first layer would be to have this program that increases the basic digital literacy for them to feel comfortable to even use the technology. And then we have more programming through Baltimore Tech Hub that we are, you know, that we have available proposals ready to go. But again, that funding is an issue. Um, but we, we plan to continuously build out programming, resources, structures that will um, help these returning citizens and seniors continue to engage and learn. How are you planning to connect with senior citizens and with people returning from prison? Well, I'm already here connected in East Baltimore where I live. And so these people are, my, you know, my grandmother's a senior citizen. She's 83. She's digitally, she's digitally literate. And so, you know, through the time I've spent with her, she's been able to increase her access. And so she knows how to check her online banking account. She knows how to check the weather. She knows how to FaceTime us, send a text. And so, you know, my grandmother is everything to me. Everything I do is because of her and, 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 and the sacrifices and what I saw her do. And so, of course, to our elders, the one that paved the way, we want to make sure that we take care of them. And so I'm always connected. And again, through my community partnerships, where we already have those connections and relationships. In regards to returning citizens, we have some, um, we've, we've had some open conversations with some of the Department of Corrections and things like that. But that is something that we will look in, we'll be looking to kind of ramp up and, and, and get their commitment and involvement with this type of program. If someone completes these courses and, and wants to know more, is, is Baltimore Tech Hub the logical next step? Yes, Baltimore Tech Hub is the logical next step uh, because, again, it's a community resource on the ground that's, that, it, that is accessible. Uh, we offer more than just training, um, educational training programs. We offer workshops, community info exchanges, brunch and learns, and opportunities for youth to engage upskill as well. And so lots to, lots to offer. 
Anisha, good luck with this. Thank you so much, Sheila. Thank you for your time. Anisha Best is the founder of the Baltimore Tech Hub and a 2022 OSI Baltimore Community Fellow. Until early 2024, she'll be focused on helping seniors and returning citizens develop digital skills through ed tech literacy. We have more information about her project and the Baltimore Tech Hub at the On the Record page at wypr.org. I'm Sheila Cast. Glad you're with us on the record. Come back tomorrow. <laughs>